Our money will tell us what to do, right? And God has this plan for each of us and what we need to do with our money. And it's, it's outlined in, in the scriptures. Money's mentioned in here many, many times. If you're here for the first time today, you might be thinking, great, I come to church and guess what they're talking about? Money. I knew it. That's what all churches talk about. It's money. We don't talk about money that much. We talk about growing spiritually. And if we're going to grow spiritually, we need to address what the Bible addresses in over 2,500 verses. We need to address what Jesus said about money. The, the little stories that Jesus told called parables, two-thirds of those stories dealt with money and possessions. If you combine Jesus talking about money and possessions, there is no other topic he talked more about. So if Jesus is talking that much about it, and this book talks that much about it, then we need to spend time seeing what Jesus has to say about money. Because if we don't look to see what God has to say about it, money will guide us. It's either going to lead us or we're going to use it. It's our choice. And in this series, we're going to see what Jesus has to say about it. Ask yourself the question, what if, what if I handle my money the way God wants me to handle my money? What if, what if every time money went into my hands, I asked the question, God, what do you want me to do with this? Now, you're probably thinking, well, of course, churches are going to talk about money because they need money. They pass, you know, give an opportunity to people give every week. It costs money to do what they do. So, of course, they're going to talk about money. Money is a profoundly spiritual topic. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. And where the problem comes in is when people take the spirituality out of their cash, out of their money, out of their possessions. The goal in us doing this series and seeing what Jesus has to say about money is so we'll know how to save more, so we'll know how to stay out of debt, see what Jesus has to say about that, and so we'll be able to give more. Not in a way that's like, hey, oh, I got to give more. In a way that says, I get to give more. That's the reason we're doing this whole series, and this book has a lot to say about it. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. Our ushers are bringing them down. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll give you one. It's yours to keep. You can follow along in there or look on the screen. We're going to look at one episode in the ministry of Jesus where he talked about money. We're going to look at some of the, th- some of the things that Jesus thinks about money because of the way he talked about it. Anybody ever see the show Hoarders on TV? Anybody ever watch Hoarders? That is, that is odd. I mean, people are like, like it, they go into their houses and I tried to get a clip to show it. We didn't have time for it, but it, it's like, it's like, they're just like, they either like just store up TV dinners or food or just stuff and they never throw anything away and there's maggots in their house and they're walking through and they never take trash out and this one little clip of an episode I watched, the lady said, well, yeah, I've got like six coffee makers because it's easier to buy a new one than clean one out. So her cabinet, her counter was just covered with just trash and junk and they bring in, bring in counselors to try to help these people get over their hoarding. And it's really weird. It's not natural for people to just hoard up stuff like that. It's common enough to where they can fill a show with it every single week, like half the year. But one that I've never seen on there, I look back through all the episodes, there was never a cash hoarder. 
they never said this person, man, they store up money. Like they, they don't do anything with it. They just store it up. They store it up and they just keep it. They just hoard up a bunch of money. See, you hoard up a bunch of stuff, food or appliances or whatever these people are hoarding up and people think you're weird and you need a counselor. You hoard up a bunch of money and people think, well, they're wise. They're very wise because they, they keep their money. They, they keep it in big bank accounts or stacks under their pillows or wherever they put it. And then they're wise. Well, here's Jesus's thoughts on hoarding up money. When Jesus taught, people are always coming up and asking him questions because when he taught, he, to them, he was like, wow, this guy's wise. The first time they'd heard this kind of wisdom coming, coming from a person and, and they thought, well, he's a rabbi, so we're going we're gonna to ask what we'd normally ask rabbis and listen to this, how this story starts in the book of Luke chapter 12. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? Then he he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, when the son of God who came from heaven to earth to redeem all of mankind says two words, watch out. We need to watch out. So when Jesus says watch out, it's like, okay, what's he going to say next? Because if Jesus says watch out, this must be something big that's coming. And he said, you need to watch out. Because greed is everywhere. And you got to be on your guard. And he's telling this guy, look, your life doesn't consist by having an abundance of possessions. And so Jesus is getting ready to tell this group of people... Here's what greed looks like. See, greed is tough. If I said, is greed right or wrong? Everybody in this room would say, well, greed's wrong. You you shouldn't be greedy. But in my 20-some years of ministry, I I have had many sins confessed to me across my desk or at a coffee shop or on the phone. Never has anybody come up to me and said, I am greedy. Jeez, I'm greedy. I need help with my greed. I mean, how many greedy people do we have in here? Raise your hand. If you're greedy... Raise your hand. Oh, some people raise their hand. Thank you. There's some honest people in here. That's nice. That's a first. I won't try that next service. I'll just say, there's greedy people in here and they won't admit it. So there are are people who walk through life greedy and they don't even realize it. It's a hard sin to confess. So greed is hard for most people to see in the mirror. It's hard to look at yourself and say, pfft. Yeah, I'm greedy. I'm greedy. My life, I I do let my life just consist in the abundance of my possessions. And because greed is so hard to admit and confess, Jesus gives us a picture in the rest of this story what greed looks like. After he said, watch out, be on your guard against greed, it says, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself 
but is not rich towards God. That's Jesus' picture of greed. Now, it starts out saying this rich man, and immediately most people in here would probably think, well, count me out, I'm not rich. This is not for me, this is for rich people. How would you like to know what percentage of wealth you're in? Most people in this room, if not 100% of the people in this room, if you're of working age, you're in the top 4% of the world's wealth. If you make more than $27,000 a year, you're in the top 4% of the entire world. You're rich. If you make more than $75,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the world's wealthy people. So are we rich is this talking to us when, we say, when Jesus says, a certain rich man? And with riches come responsibility. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it says that, Solomon says that he would see people hoard up wealth to the harm of the owner. So when we're rich, and we're all rich, with that comes a big responsibility to do what God wants us to do with the money. See, this farmer that Jesus is talking about evidently had a bumper crop. It would be like the stock market doing awesome. Wouldn't that be great if it actually did? But it's something went great for him. His, his crops were just bumper crops that year, and he had all this extra. He had an abundance over what he needed. Does anybody in here, and you don't have to raise your hand, have more than what you need? If you just go back one generation, the simple idea of having like two automobiles per family, and many people, if you have a driver in the family, you got more than two. I mean, that's just like unheard of when most of the world walks. So we've got more than we need. We have an abundance. We have extra space, time off. We, have, we can go out and eat. We can, we can do things that most people in the world can't do. And most people in here, you have more than you need. You can go anywhere you want for lunch, and you can eat until you're full. And then if you want to eat an hour later, you go back to the restaurant again, go back through the buffet line and eat again. Because we have an abundance. Now, if in your weak moments you thought, if I only had more, then I would be happier. If I could just have that car, that house, that amount of money, that job, that would work. And I would be, I would be happy. Because look at the people that have that. They look so happy. Dave Ramsey, financial expert, says, you can't buy happiness. You can buy fun. You can buy stuff that's a lot of fun, but you cannot buy happiness. But yet, people, day after day, try. If I can just get more of this, then I'll be happy. So here's what's going on in this story. This guy says, I have more than I need, so what should I do with my extra? The same thing all of us would say. When we have more than I need, we have, more than we need, we have to decide. This is what we need to get by, and all of a sudden we have this much, then we have a decision to make. What am I going to do with this stuff in the middle? I mean, it's, it's my right to decide because I earned it. I, it's my money, so now I have a decision to make, just like this rich guy did. What am I going to do with the extra? He's already rich, he's already got all that he needs, and now he's going to make a decision. And listen what he does. He says, this is what I'll do with my extra. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. 
And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. So he says, I'm rich, but I want more for me. I've got everything I need, but I want more for me. Since I've got this extra he's talking about, he's living the rich life already. He's got the extra. And so for the extra, he's like, this part, it's all about me. Now, some of us might have this much extra or this much extra, but we've all got extra. And he made a decision what he was going to do with it. Me first, then everybody else. That was his decision. I actually actually had a person say this to me once who, who wanted to go into ministry, who wanted to plant a church, who wanted to be a pastor. And he was telling me how he admired my faith and other people on our staff who've taken big leaps of faith and left higher paying jobs to come and, and be on staff. And he was telling me how much he admired that. And he said, I'm going to do that one day as soon as I get $8 million in the bank. I'm going to do it. And I was like, well, you're a man of faith, let me tell you. I mean, that is some kind of faith. You know, God, when you give me $8 million, then I'll go and step out on faith. I was like, wow, you know, you need to come and teach people that, how not to be. So this is what this farmer was doing with his extra. He was deciding, I'm going to use it all on me. So greed can be determined by what I do with my extra. Now, you might say, well, I don't have an abundance. How can I do anything in my extra because I don't have any extra? A lot of reason that people don't have extra is because they spend it before they get it. Like old George was telling us up here just a minute ago. You know what you can do if you don't have any money? Isn't it awesome? You can pull out one of these. This is a debit card too. It's not a credit card. You can pull out one of these and you can just go shopping. And, and, and like George said, it doesn't feel like you really spend any money because it's... It's plastic. You wear it out. You call and get another one. It's no big deal. But this one little thing right here causes more people to spend their abundance before they ever get it, which is the same as hoarding it up if you do have it. There's no difference. It's no less greedy to say, I've got all this extra, so I'm going to store it up for me than to say, I'm going to do this and I'll pay for it later. Because what happens? Well, the average person in the United States, has about $8,500 on credit cards. Most people have 13 credit cards in their house. Isn't that crazy? All because they're going to spend their extra before they ever get it. There's a principle in Scripture that's spelled out very clearly in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. It says the borrower is slave to the lender. Some people have the cash, so they hoard it up for themselves. People who don't have the cash, they want everybody think they got the cash, so they go out and use credit, and then they get themselves in trouble, and both are equally against what God says we should do with our money. So what if you're in debt? What if when I said credit card, you're like nudging, and you're like, oh, it's like a knife in your heart, like, yeah, I've done that. Every year we give you an opportunity to go through Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey. It is awesome. And there's family after family at this church that could tell you how amazing it is to go through that and revolutionize the way you see your money, you spend your money, you save your money, you budget your money. That's coming up in January. Watch the program. By the end of this series, we'll give you some firm dates. Sign up for that. You will reduce your debt. You will be able to, to give more out of the abundance that you have. And you'll have more money than you ever thought possible. 
See, debt is rarely because of need, it's because of wants. And by going through something like Financial Peace University, you change your wants, and then you'll change your spending habits. So greed can be determined by what I do with that extra, even before I have it. Greed also causes me to forget the source of my blessing. See, some people could leave here today and you could go purchase anything you want to purchase. Price tag didn't matter, doesn't matter because you've been blessed. God's blessed you with income and, and you can just go purchase that. And it's, it's human nature to start to think that all of that, is because, all of that is because we're all that smart and we just landed the perfect job and we're talented. Humans have thought that for centuries. In the Old Testament, there's a story of God's chosen people, the Israelites, who went in the desert for 40 years before they got to go into the promised land. And God was preparing them for the promised land. And God knew when they got to the promised land, it was going to be great. The stock market was always going to be up. Dividends were always going to be double and triple digits. I mean, it was going to be awesome. And God gave them a warning because they didn't know what they were getting ready to do. He just knew These people are going to have this land that flows with milk and honey, it's referred to in Scripture. It's going to be fertile, abundance. They're going to be rich. They're going to be a powerful nation. And here's what he says to them before they go into this nation, into this land. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. See, well, uh, greed starts with I. It's where it be, I I'm going to do this for me. I want more. I want to feel assurance. When the fact is everything you have is because God gave you the ability to do it. You got a great education. You got a great career. Make a lot of money. That's awesome. And God says, I gave you the ability to do that. It's because of me and my goodness that you're able to do what you do. And when he gives you that ability, you also have a great responsibility. Solomon actually called the rich the people with this huge burden and responsibility. So how do you handle when you've been blessed by God, when you've been given all this stuff, how do you handle the responsibility to manage it? Well, number one, by not being selfish. Now, you just saw earlier in the service a bunch of babies up here. You saw every baby that was being held is very selfish. They are. We used to have them in our house, and I know. They're selfish. They expect you to change them, to feed them, to burp them, to know what they want when all they do is wham. You're supposed to understand what the wham means, and they're very selfish. But there's a time when you say, you're going to wipe your own rear end. I'm not doing it anymore, Okay. You're going to take your own shower, no more baths. It's your deal. So you got to go clean yourself. I'm not doing it. You got to put yourself to bed. You've got so eventually, as these little kids grow, parents are going to start saying, "You got to do that on your own." What happens with money is some people have never grown up, so they still think it's all about them. So hey, I got this stuff that I've been blessed with. It is all about me. And especially living in our consumer culture, where the, the, the line between want and need is so blurred, I got a list of things I need. I really need them. 
But when I really think about them, no, they're just something, they're just things I want. I mean, I can justify it with how much easier, honey, it would make my life so much easier. You don't understand. It's just, you know, if we could just do that. But it's really a want. And in our culture, those lines are blurred. And this guy in this story that Jesus is talking about gets his wants and his needs all mixed up. And he gets more and he stores it up and he he opens up a bigger bank account. Doesn't that sound like the American dream? He's worked hard and he's got this bumper crop. So he's going to open up even bigger bank accounts. But here's what God says to this man. He says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Now, why would Jesus say that storing up money? Well, I hope I have a savings account. I hope you do too. That storing up money is a foolish thing. That's what he says, you fool. You're going to store all this up for yourself? But see, here's, here's the difference in storing up money and the way this guy was storing up money. He was storing up money to prepare for this life, to prepare for the now and, and this, this temporary life that we have on earth. Here's a profound thought. You're going to write this down. This will rock your world. This is like philosophy 101, okay? It's a big deal. Got your pens ready? You're going to be dead a lot longer than you're alive, right? I mean, hey, if I stopped right there, wasn't that worth coming today? You're... You're going to be dead a lot longer than you're alive, so why not spend time preparing for what comes after? Now, this guy was spending all of his time just preparing for now, preparing for this life. And that's why Jesus said that God looked at him and said, you fool, you've taken all this time and you've prepared for this life, which is temporary, and you've not prepared for the life which is eternal. When one of the richest men at the, in the world at the time, John Rockefeller, died. His accountant was asked in a press conference, how much did Mr. Rockefeller leave behind? His accountant replied, all of it. Right? I mean, that's what's going to happen to us, right? How much are you going to leave? All of it. I'm not, I don't plan on taking anything with me. The Bible even says, naked you came in the world, naked you're going out. So this guy was short-sighted. And Jesus isn't condemning wealth. He's not saying there's anything wrong with being wealthy or having stuff. He doesn't mind that you have stuff, that you have fun with your stuff. I mean, it's a blessing. And some people have an abundance to go out and have fun and enjoy. But what he's saying is it's foolish when you're short-sighted and you just see it now in this life, in this world, and you don't make any investments in the afterlife, what comes after this one. Yeah, enjoy your money, have fun, buy whatever you want to buy, but be generous. Be rich towards God. Now, Jesus is talking about, in this story, money, cash. I know we're supposed to be generous by serving. There's a lot of scriptures that talk about that. We're supposed to be generous by giving our time. That I get all that. The scripture says that over and over. This story is about cash. And what he's saying is, be rich towards me with your cash. That's what this parable is all about. And he's not saying that saving is not wise. In fact, the Bible says over and over again that saving is wise. That there's wisdom in storing up for a rainy day. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon uses the illustration of an ant, how an ant stores up, stores its food up so it'll have food to eat later. 
And that's what God expects us to do with our money is, hey, store some things up to make sure that I've got enough for when a rainy day comes. I don't have to be freaking out. Don't get in so much debt that you, when a rainy day comes, you're freaking out. So where did this guy go wrong? If God doesn't have a problem with us saving money for ourselves, for the future, but this guy was going to save money for, him, for himself for the future, then where did he go wrong? Because of what he was going to do with his abundance. Because we all have an abundance, which means we have a responsibility. The more the abundance, the more the responsibility. This guy had a huge abundance, so he had a huge responsibility. If you only got a few bucks extra, it's not that big a responsibility. It's not that hard. But hey, when it gets higher and higher and more and more, your responsibility increases. And in fact, what you do with your abundance, as we'll find out in week four, two weeks from now in this series, has a direct impact on where you spend eternity. (gasps) Does it really? It does. We're going to share what Jesus had to say about that. You're like, okay, two weeks from now, go fishing. (laughs) I want to hear that. But it does. What we do with that abundance has an impact on where we spend eternity. Saving money is wise, and we should all do it. If you take Financial Peace University, you'll you'll hear about the 10-10-80 rule. Give 10 away, save 10, and live on 80%. That's how we operate as a church, with with our church budget. We try to give 10 away. We always give 10 away. We try to save 10% and use 80% of our budget to operate our church and our ministries. The fact is, we learn from this passage that we're all wealthy and we all have the tendency to be greedy. And you might think, I'm not greedy. I'm 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 not greedy. Here's the ultimate test. If you think you're not greedy, then write a bigger check right? You can laugh, uncomfortable laugh, like, wow. (laughs) Really? I'm serious. If you think you're, how do you, you can't just say, I'm not, you can't prove you're not greedy by saying you're not greedy. It doesn't work that way. I'm not greedy. Well, that doesn't mean you're not greedy. If you think you're not greedy, write a bigger check. That's how you determine it. Man, it's quiet in here, but it's true. So when it, when it comes time to write the next check, hey, if you, don't, if you don't trust us enough to give it to this church, give it somewhere in the name of God, somehow, somewhere, but write a bigger check. That will determine, well, how do I really feel about my abundance? How am I with greed? And there are people in this church, I know you're not greedy because I see the generosity that comes from people. And in this, in this scripture, Jesus is not really talking about money. Even though he is talking about money, What he's really trying to communicate is trust. Do I trust in God enough to trust him with every single thing I own? That's that's why Jesus talks so much about money, because money can get wrapped around our hearts, and that's where our trust begins to lie, because we have enough in the bank account. I mean, I get online, check my bank account, and I feel better when there's more in there. When the church, when we're, you know, when we're able to sock more away to save for something else later, I just feel better. And I think, God, please help me not to have my trust in that, to be wise with it and save, yes, but not for my trust to be there. A couple of months ago, a person came to me who, who I'd never had a conversation with. They called me up and said, I really need to meet with you today. Today, we got to get together. We got to talk because I, I want to give the church some money. 
And I was like, okay, I always got time for that. So, you know, let's meet. So we meet at this coffee shop and he starts to tell me this story about his business and how it's not been doing well and how it's not been doing well so much to the fact where he was afraid he was not going to be able to provide for his family. So he started taking cash. This is all legal. And he took cash and he put it in his safe at home. This is my safety net because if things get shut down, I'm not going to be able to access money. Those of you that own a business, you know what I'm talking about. If things get totally shut down, I'm not going to be able to access money. Everything's frozen because of the economy and what's going on in my business. I can't do anything about it. So then how am I going to feed my family? So I'm going to start putting some cash away every month in my safe at home. And he said that it was as if, and God didn't literally speak to him, but this overwhelming feeling of, I need to give LifePoint money, and I need to do it out of that abundance that I have in my safe at home, out of the safety net. And this guy, without even knowing, and he gave me permission to to share it, without even knowing what he was doing, he went and he put his trust totally in God and he reached into this stash that was there in case there was an emergency to feed and take care of his family and pay his bills and he pulled out $10,000. So I'm in a coffee shop and get handed an envelope with cash in it. Like, you know. <laughs> and, and God had put it on his heart so much to give. The day before he was going to meet me, he's carrying around $10,000 there was another need presented to him. So a thousand went out in cash to go to something else. So he hands me this envelope with $9,000 and hundred dollar bills in it and says, I want this to be for the church. That guy understands what to do with an abundance. That guy understands and listens to God and says, you know, I've, I've got this abundance and God wants me to trust him and not in that stash of cash I've got in my safe at home. Now, for you, trust in God with your finances may look like something completely different. But he was being rich towards God. Did he still have some back at home? Absolutely. Did he still keep some? Of course he did. To be responsible and take care of his family. But he was rich towards God. See, he was looking for a reason to be generous and rich towards God. And then some people look for reasons not to give. They do. I've had people say things to me that they're just looking for, well, you know, well, you know, come on, 10%? Are you kidding? And you heard the whole thing if you were here last week about what the Bible has to say about tithing. 10%, really? Oh, come on. I I mean, I come to church. Is that enough? I mean, there are people who look for opportunities to be generous and people look for reasons not to give. And the ones who are looking for opportunities to be generous are the ones who are rich towards God. And that's what Jesus is asking us to do. He's not saying be poor. He's not saying give, give you know, you, you've got to equal everything out and everybody be the same. He's not saying that. He's saying be rich towards me. And then what you do with that abundance, it's your responsibility. And we're all at different income levels. And we don't all have to be the same because God didn't gift us all the same. And we're not all at the same blessing from God. But Jesus ends this story by saying, anyone who stores up for himself and is not rich towards God is a fool. That's what he says. So you need to determine, am I rich towards God? Because greed will come for all of us. And Jesus started this story saying, watch out. Next week, we're going to keep looking at some things Jesus had to say about money by the stories that he told in scripture. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the blessing, the amazing blessings that you give us. 
that we so much uh, struggle with. And God, thank you for making us rich and giving us amazing opportunities. Father, may we take the, the, the responsibility of what we do with our blessing serious. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.